Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hope you all got a chance to check out the Florida versus Vanderbilt review game review show on Gators Breakdown. But here we are. Chance for you to get in. Give me your thoughts. We put a bow on Florida Vanderbilt. Maybe look ahead a little bit to Florida LSU. Not as big as a game as it, as it uh, most of the time is for the second year in a row. Last year, of course, it was for Florida. Florida LSU. But um, not this year so much. With Two losses for Florida and LSU floundering around a little bit as well. Noon game on ESPN, if you missed that. We knew it was going to be a noon game, but we didn't know if it was going to be part of a CBS doubleheader, noon 3.30 doubleheader, or if it was going to be on ESPN. And it, they did decide to go Florida LSU on ESPN at noon on Saturday. Got the coffee flowing this morning. I'm struggling this morning. Whew. Noon game. Noon games kick my butt going to Gainesville so early. Don't get to sleep in on Saturdays. <laughs> but overall, if you listen to the Gators Breakdown game review, inconsistent, 42 nothing victory for the Gators. And look, we've said that a few times this year now with this Gator team, so I think we can label this Gator team inconsistent. And probably no surprise there when you go and look at how Florida has played this year, who they've played in that regard. Tennessee was kind of a inconsistent performance. Kentucky absolutely moved the ball good enough to beat Kentucky. But, of course, turnover, lots and lots and lots of penalties. So inconsistent performance from the game. Inconsistent versus Alabama, of course. You just start down 21-3, able to come back and make that a game out of it. So – just a lot of examples of a inconsistent Florida team. Can they put it together a performance of 60 minutes? That's the pretty much next step for this team is being able to put a complete game together. Now, look, I think the only time they'll absolutely need a complete game is when they play Georgia. You can get by by being inconsistent with the rest of the schedule. And I think that's one way to look at it. So, looking ahead after Vanderbilt, we get one more – data point for this team and what they look like, then you kind of look ahead. The Georgia game is the only game they absolutely need that whole 60 minutes to go beat an opponent. 
that's just the way the schedule breaks this year. It's not very difficult for Florida from here on out besides that Georgia game. Now, you want to see the team focus for 60 minutes. You want to go out there and see the team have the capability of doing that no matter who they're playing. Uh, and I think uh, that's just another step for this team uh, that we want to see. And, yeah, I, you can see a lot of – you can see the reasons for some inconsistency. We know – I mean, go, go back to the preseason. And when Dan Mullen talked about Emory Jones, the word inconsistent was pretty much used. There's going to be the plays where he says, okay, man, there, there, there's the play, and there's going to be a string of plays after that where he's like, what are you doing? Um, and that's pretty much paraphrasing what Dan Mullen and how he described Emory Jones in the preseason. And I think that's a lot of what we're getting uh, there from Emory Jones. So maybe it shouldn't be too much of a surprise there. But, you know, I think it's part of, you know, moving away from him as well. It's the, you know, offensive line inconsistency issues right now. Probably not so much of their own doing. They're battling through some injuries, battling through some bumps and bruises, getting some young guys in that rotation. So I think that's why I'm going to look at the run game today uh, for the main Gators breakdown episode tonight and do some comparisons uh, from, you know, Bama, Tennessee to Kentucky, Vanderbilt. You know, those two separate SEC games there, you have two on one side, two on the other side, where the run game was looking pretty good versus Alabama and Tennessee. And then now some inconsistent performances from the run game versus Kentucky and Vanderbilt. So uh, do a comparison there, just kind of look at some numbers uh, at the difference there. And I do think the major part of that is the offensive line just being banged up, rotating so many pieces in. You've been able to prove a little bit that you have some depth, more depth than we probably thought. But now you're you're tapping into that depth a good bit there uh, because of this bumps and bruises uh, up front for the offensive line. So you know, we saw Kingsley. And Garage didn't even start versus Vanderbilt. Kingsley goes down during the game. So there you go. You're already playing without two. Uh, and we already know DeLance and Reese has been bruised and bumped uh, a lot this year as well. So you can see why there might be some inconsistency up front. But we know how important it is for this Florida run game uh, to be the focal point of this Gator offense. It, it makes it click uh, in the – tougher opponents uh, that that Florida is going to be facing. So Vanderbilt, you can get away with chucking the ball up uh, time and time again, uh, which we want to see that. That needs to be a part of the offense, but I don't think you're going to see that as much uh, moving forward. I think it was something that was definitely focused on as I kind of shift here, uh, definitely focused on, definitely emphasizing the during the week. I, I, you know, I don't really care what Mullen says about what coverage uh, the defense is playing in. After what we saw versus Kentucky, after what we saw versus Vanderbilt, you know it was a focus. You know it was an emphasis. Uh, it's not so much what coverage Vanderbilt or Kentucky was given the offense. You know they worked on it, and it was clear they worked on it, and it was clear they wanted to work on it in a game <laughs> this week versus Vanderbilt. So good to see. That's probably the biggest takeaway, of course, uh, versus Vanderbilt, uh, uh, being able just to pull the trigger uh, on those deep balls and put it out there on tape. At least at least it's out there. Teams will have to prepare for it. Teams hopefully would now uh, not you – know, I, I think your better teams will. They'll force Emory Jones to make that decision because, uh, you know, they, they know Florida probably just wanted to work on that versus Vanderbilt as well. Uh, but at least it's out there. Teams will have to prep for it. Teams will have to just have it in their mind uh, out there on the, on the field that Emory Jones can release that deep pass. So it's just out there a little bit more. But, of course, we'll need to see that versus the LSU Georgias and – South Carolina's of the world as the schedule comes up. So that was the biggest takeaway on offense there, inconsistent run game, and then the 
showing the ability to go downfield much more so than it was versus Kentucky when Florida was doing it this past Saturday versus Vanderbilt. Definitely enjoyed seeing it. Uh, I, mean, I think we we knew the opportunity. Uh, the opportunities have been there, uh, and the and either Emory didn't make the right read, never saw the open receiver, or saw and just took the easy throw anyway. Nothing wrong with taking the easy throw, but it does limit the offense so much. And Florida could have used a couple of those deep passes that were open versus Kentucky, and maybe uh, it lead to an extra score or two uh, to make a difference in that game. So. That was a big takeaway of offensive side of the ball. Overall, a little bit of fire from Dan Mullen we saw. Getting on Grantham there in the first half. Uh, the short halftime interview. <laughs> Wanting to get to the locker room. Rashad Torrance said he pretty much lit him up in the locker room uh, there at halftime. So getting that uh, getting that, getting that, that side of Dan Mullen that a lot of people have been wanting to see, wondering where it's at. And um, – Hopefully we continue to see a little bit of that as well. But guys, if you want to get in here, go right ahead. Get your thoughts, Florida Vandy, moving forward to LSU this week as well. Defensive side of the ball, yeah. As I said, you saw Mullen kind of light into Grantham a little bit, and yeah, you were pitching that shutout, but you couldn't get out the field in the first half. Luckily, Vanderbilt missed some field goals. Couldn't punch it in from the goal line. Heck of a play by Jason Marshall there in the end zone to break up that uh, that, that pass to Chris Pierce there for Vanderbilt. Looked like it would be touchdown. Go up and get him touchdown there for Pierce. Marshall doesn't give up. Rips the ball away. Well, not not doesn't really rip it away. Goes after the ball. Causes the receiver to bobble it. Goes out of bounds. No touchdown. And... Keeps a shutout alive there for the Gators. So good for Marshall not to not to give up there. I like the progress he's made so far. I talked about that on the podcast too. Trey Dean as well. His best game of the pass coverage safety I think we've seen so far. Just really ready to see Elam come back and what that means there for the secondary. After the news we got yesterday of Elijah Blaze transferring away. And don't get me wrong, not necessarily a huge loss. But kind of goes into the whole depth uh, piece there. Now, look, he was in. He was in there for some key moments versus Kentucky. Had the personal foul call, so that's his lasting legacy, I guess. <laughs> there uh, is that personal foul call versus Kentucky, but it does let you know that you know he was there in some key moments. So not totally overlooked and needed to be in there because of Kyrie and being injured, not playing versus Kentucky, uh, and Florida needing some depth pieces there at the quarterback position. So now he's going to transfer away. And now after Jaden Hill goes down with injury, Chester Kimbrough transferring away, um, just uh, Will Coxon going down as well. I mean, Florida's taking a hit there as far as depth goes in the secondary. Uh, Blade's not necessarily a huge contributor, uh, but like I said, wasn't there for some key moments versus Kentucky. So it's not like he completely overlooked. Uh, so you, you got to hope Elam comes back and you got to hope the, the, at least the cornerback position stays healthy the rest of the way because then you could probably start shuffling some pieces around, uh, maybe a Trevez at cornerback or, or Perkins at cornerback uh, just to make up for a pure cornerback uh, now leaving the program after transferring in and transferring out before, uh, you know, ha- halfway through the season. So 
Not, don't know the whole story there. I know uh, it was a weird story for his career anyway there for Blade. So uh, I, I was asked, was I, was I shocked by it? I was like, well, I didn't know it was coming. But am I shocked? No. I mean, that's just kind of been the MO there for Blades. All right. Let me get MJ in here. What's up, MJ? Hey, man. Uh, sorry I can make it past your tailgate. Uh, we had kind of a late Friday uh, hitting Midtown to try to reminisce some of the old days. So my apologies. <laughs> All good. Um, so I guess uh, my question would be, um, since like kind of AR proved he was kind of human this game, um, what are your expectations, I guess, the rest of the way for Emory and AR going forward? I still think uh, there's, there's a role for both of them. I still think you need to see AR out there uh, getting the reps. Um, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Like I said, you know, Dan Mullen's not lying. Uh, when he says there's you know, just parts of the game that AR has to get better at, and it's mostly the playbook and, and the reps. Now, I think we, we would like to see – we would like to see him probably get more reps when, like I said, I would, I said this on the, the Florida Vanderbilt game review, I'd have probably put him in a couple of drives earlier uh, and maybe been a little more aggressive uh, with him. But you know, he's out there, he's out there learning uh, some, you know, that, that, that first pass, that interception, probably something, you know, you don't, you, you don't want to see uh, out there. You're, you're rolling right and, probably way too late to throw across the field. And I know that probably the play design, but probably not that, uh, not that late, uh, but you know, learning experience for him. Um, but the, it, it is honestly just getting the more reps and learning the playbook. He knows, he knows he's not ready uh, to start from everything that I can gather talking to different people. Um, I've talked to a couple of different people that, you know, look, he, he, he does have a lot to learn, and he knows that. So uh, there's a lot of talk about, oh, he's frustrated and people trying to read into body language on the sideline and body language during the game and stuff, uh, and probably taking that real bit too far. Uh, he, like, he likes Florida. He loves Florida. He wants to be at Florida. Any talk of transfer is just talk. There's, from him, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing to it. He knows where he stands. Uh, and he's not necessarily disappointed by it. He knows what he has to do to get on the field and play and start and, and all that. But I do think there's a role uh, out there for for him, uh, a big role uh, out there for him, especially with George in a couple of weeks. I think you'll need his explosive ability out there to, to, to try and make a difference in that game. Uh, but you you know want to see, get, get better in practice, get better in games. Uh, there's game reps I don't think uh, – that's one reason I do want I, I did want to see him a bit earlier in uh, versus Vanderbilt. I understand Mullen probably probably wanting to work on some things uh, with Emory Jones. I think we saw that plenty of times with Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask as well. He keeps those starters in there uh, a bit a, a bit longer than I think most fans probably would. Uh, you go back to when Trask first came in for Felipe Franks when Franks got injured and. You know, Trask was playing well late into games, and I think it was just, hey, we need to work on this, 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 and this uh, in, in this type of situation. And we're seeing the same thing uh, with Emory Jones this past week versus Vanderbilt. But Emory, um, you know, AR, before it's all said and done, I still think there's going to be, and hopefully, hopefully the Georgia game is it, there's going to be, I think, that magic moment still uh, there from him. That's just kind of what he brings to the table. Uh, there as, as as that type of player, uh, but there's there, there's 
you know, when this was going through, when he was going through the injury and Emory was playing much better versus Alabama and Tennessee, I think a lot of us come to the realization is, okay, you're going to need both of these guys this season at some point. Now, now it's still coming off the heels of a of a really good dominant performance by AR versus FAU and USF, and we haven't seen that. Uh, it is much easier to say now, uh, but I, I was putting that together because we saw saw the improvement there from Emory Jones. But I do think now you can also put it together because of what we have seen from Richardson the last couple of weeks. Of you know now competition ramps up and those big plays are, are are no longer there. But positive plays I think are still happening. Especially against Kentucky last week, there were some uh, definitely some more positive plays uh, in that regard when Richardson was on the field compared to Vanderbilt this past week. And some of it are are plays around him. I don't think he had a lot of time to throw when he dropped back to throw this week. Uh, Vanderbilt brought a lot of pressure when he was at quarterback, uh, so they I guess they wanted to see how a young quarterback would react with the pressure coming into his face. Uh, so you saw some some of that affect him. But also some of the play around him. I mean, Jacob, he throws that pass to Jacob Copeland on second and one. That's Copeland's job to get a couple yards and keep the chains moving. AR would have been out there a lot more. Chain reaction to setting up a third and two, then a penalty, and then it's third and seven. Florida doesn't convert. So that drive should have been longer for AR if the guys around him do their job. So, you know, there's uh, there's still a place for him. There's still a huge place for him, I think, at some point this season. But I also think at the same time, uh, there's uh, – we see why Emory's starting. Uh, there is, uh, and, I, and I know a lot of people don't care right now if Emory even is a little better uh, than AR. They want to go ahead and prepare for the future. Coaches don't think that way. You know, they're going to go out there and try and win every game they can this season, and that's uh, what you're going to get from Dan Mullen. So you know, there's no well, the season's over. Let's just throw it away and, and start the quarterback that may start next year. Uh, coaches don't think that way. So Emory's going to start, and uh, and I hope AR has a lot of packages uh, coming up in a lot of these games. Uh, but I think we see why AR uh, or Emory starts the games, and you see the, uh, the sprinkling in of uh, of AR. Cool. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, man. All right. Go ahead and hop in. Good bit of you listening. If you want to get in here, your thoughts about Bama going down. That was uh, that's pretty unexpected there. They looked somewhat like a normal football team on the road this year <laughs> in the swamp. And then Texas A&M as well. Of course, that leads to something we don't want to see, that number one beside a Georgia logo. Georgia's union number one, rightfully so. Look like the best team in the country right now. No question about that. Actually, some questions about Georgia. Um, yeah. What did you see about their offense? I know sometimes I was always like their better parts of the running game, but it seems like their passing game is really catching fire. So anything to look out for there? Uh, with their run game looking much better than it did last year uh, with, with, with Stetson, you know, Stetson's still getting the majority, especially the last couple of weeks uh, in these big games versus Arkansas and Auburn. Uh, it is Stetson Bennett leading the charge for the, the, the Bulldog offense. Uh, the run game is better than it was last year, and that's only going to help him. Some of, the, some of those deep balls. Um, now, this is what he was hitting versus Florida, too, before he got hurt last year. But, you know, just a lot of one-on-one 
matchups down the field, and he's given those pretty good Georgia receivers uh, a chance to make a play, and they are uh, making the play. Now, they are getting beat up a little bit now that before the season started. Uh, you know, they had some injuries at wide receiver, but now they're getting they're getting beat up up front a little bit on the offensive line. I uh, don't know how serious those injuries are. I know the one I saw was Jamari Sawyer going down, uh, one of their starting offensive linemen. Uh, and I was talking to my Georgia friends. I think they said that was either the second injury in that game up front or they had one right before the game uh, during practice or something like that. But I know they're missing two of their starters uh, on the offensive line after Sawyer went down versus Auburn. So it's probably something to look out for uh, right there. I mean, I think Florida, as far as talent goes and coaching ability goes, might be the only team that could probably take advantage of it from here on out. Uh, but uh, that, uh, that 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 yeah, that offense is opening up uh, a bit because that – I mean, they didn't run the ball well versus Auburn in the first half. Um, they came out with an emphasis in the second half versus Auburn and ran the ball all the way down the field for, I think, their first touchdown of the, the, of the second half. And that's only opening up this offense, making it easy for Stetson Bennett and, and making those reads there. So he, he's playing well enough to keep that team undefeated. I don't think uh, he'll be good enough to when they get to an SEC championship game versus Alabama or a playoff. I don't think Stetson Bennett's good enough to, to take him that, but he might be good enough to keep him undefeated in the regular season just because um, you know, we'll, we'll see <laughs> what happens with Florida. I think Florida's the only test for him uh, in, in that regard when you start looking at their schedule and who can up, maybe who can upset them uh, along the way. Uh, but I think Bennett's the way they're playing and the way they're running the ball right now is clearly good enough to probably keep them undefeated in the regular season, but I'm still not sold on him and the ceiling of him to be able to take Georgia to an SEC championship game and a national championship. Gotcha. Um, I guess with all our problems, um, how do you feel about LSU next weekend? Yeah, of course, I'll get into that this week. Uh, initially, this is a game you should win. Uh, but I honestly feel a lot like it did last year. Now, now of course, Florida's not as highly regarded as we thought last year. But LSU might even be lower than they were last year coming into the game uh, as far as mental, mentally where the team is at. Um, last year, I know they were still de- they were dealing with a whole lot of injuries, a lot of holdouts. Uh, they saved their season. Max Johnson comes in, of course, in Gainesville and, and lights up the Gator defense and Florida storms back and everything happens at the end of the game. This is one well, – this is one Dan Mullen, I think, has to feel a little bit of pressure on, too, a little bit of desperation factor. You, this is a game you have to win. The way LSU and the status of LSU right now this is a game you cannot afford to lose. Um, this this game would, I think, tell us a whole lot about demo. And then a, a win, I don't really necessarily care how. Now, don't get me wrong. You want to see Florida go out there and kind of go into the first point of this episode or of this chat is have Florida go out there and play focus for 60 minutes and look good. Right now, you'll take a victory uh, pretty much in any way you can, get to the bye week, prepare for Georgia. But I think it, it would say a lot for Dan Mullen to go to Baton Rouge, and I don't necessarily care the status of LSU, where they're at mentally, who they have playing. I know Keyshawn Boutte went down with an injury versus Kentucky. It didn't look good, so even he may be missing from this LSU team. I just think for Dan Mullen to go into that road game environment, it's not going to be as hostile, not going to be as raucous as it can be. But I just think given everything around the Florida program, 
going to Baton Rouge, no matter what the circumstances are, and putting up a good performance can really go a long way, really say a whole lot about the focus of this team, where they're at, getting them up for a game like this, and going and taking care of business. Now, close win, you'll be happy with, but you probably won't feel much different than how you feel right now. Now, you'll feel much worse if that's a loss, of course. So that's why I I do think it's an important game for Dan Mullen just to kind of keep some goodwill with the fan base because this is the game you should win. A lot of people won't be happy, won't necessarily excuse it, but maybe understand why you're not ready to beat Georgia this year. But then you better go on and finish out the rest of the year too. So this is the this is step one. I think you knew what was going to happen more than likely versus Vanderbilt. That game didn't mean a whole lot. A lot of people still are kind of hungover from the Kentucky loss, and this will be the first. This will be the first test to kind of maybe build some goodwill back up for Dan Mullen after it has fallen a good bit after that Kentucky game. Cool. Thanks, MJ. What's going on, Dave? Go Gators. Go Gators. What are you doing, man? I'm doing good this morning, man. Uh, I was I was just wondering how you feel about the team now, uh, about the season as well. Don't you still think we got a chance now since Alabama went down? A uh, chance for what? Uh, you know, <laughs> the chance to <laughs> like go to the SEC championship. Because if uh, Alabama can lose, Georgia can lose, bro. They can. Um, uh. I, I, like I said, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I thought this past weekend was going to be big for any chance for Florida. I think Auburn would have probably needed to beat Georgia. I think Kentucky would have probably needed to lose versus LSU. Yeah. Um, now now your, only, your only chance pretty much now is a three-way tie with two losses for everybody, two losses for Kentucky and two losses for Georgia, uh, along with the two losses for Florida. Uh, that's pretty much the only – I don't see Kentucky losing three games now to, to take them out of the race. Uh, so it's going to have to more than likely be a three-way tie with two losses. Uh, two losses for Georgia would have to be Florida and I don't know the rest of their schedule. They've yeah. already played Arkansas. They've already played uh, – uh, maybe maybe Kentucky, but Kentucky's not going to lose two more games if they beat Georgia. Uh, so that's where – So Right, right. Yes, yeah, so I, I have to pull up the Georgia schedule. So they have to have, you know, they just, let me see. I got a, I got a quick thing here. So after they play Kentucky this week, but you pretty much need Georgia to beat Kentucky. Um, Georgia has Florida, Missouri. Okay. Tennessee, maybe just because of their offense. That's the only team you probably are going to point to right now. Uh, right. And then Kentucky has Mississippi State and Tennessee as well. So put it this way. We're going to have to be Vols fans in the month of November. <laughs> hey, for, the way they roll in Dave is possible, man. For for any chance of Florida to get to Atlanta, we're going to need to be Tennessee fans uh, from here on out in the month of November. So uh, there's there there's your there's your scenario if, if you okay. let it play out. Georgia's going to have to lose to Florida and Tennessee, and Kentucky would need to lose to Georgia and Tennessee. That's your most likely scenario there. But here's the thing: if that happens, uh Tennessee, Tennessee only has what uh, one SEC loss, and that's Florida. They'll right, get, right. They'll pop, they'll probably get their second one versus Ole Miss this week. So that'll give. Uh, well, they only have one conference loss. So I mean, 
getting crazy in your scenario. There you oh, yeah, they, a, four, a, a four-way tie with two losses for Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia, and Florida. There you go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Try, like, try, try, try to figure that one out. But, um, <laughs> that's your, uh, I, I that, honestly think the way Tennessee rolled today, because it's like we gave them some confidence after they um, came that close with us. Like, them jokers is rolling out, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Florida held them to fourteen points. I mean, you go and look at it; that's pretty. Uh, that, that's a pretty Ooh. good feat. That, that yeah. they, they had their they had their chances. You know, there you go back and look at that game. There's some plays they probably could have taken advantage of to put more points on Florida. But after you know, after seeing what their offense has done since then, uh, you, you hold them to fourteen points, no matter how, and you, you, you'll take that. Right now, they have definitely been on fire uh, on offense. But uh, yeah, you're going to have to be. Uh, that's going to be an exciting game this week. You got Tennessee and Ole Miss uh, playing against each other. That's going to be a that should be a fun fun game to watch. Uh, but then, um, you know, Tennessee maybe maybe they can ruin some seasons uh, coming up with that offense. Uh, there, but you're gonna, yeah, more than likely gonna have to be some Tennessee fans coming up in the month of November. Okay, then. And I had one more question, Dave. Uh, so what's going on with uh, Blaze? Like, why is he leaving the team now? Like, uh, I, I, I don't really know the why. As I said, that one did, that one snuck up on me, uh, as well, you know, especially after playing versus Kentucky in some key moments of that game. So that was just a week ago. Uh, and you know, he, he had that personal foul, uh, and maybe some accountability issues were there. Uh, maybe yeah. Florida was, uh, you know, maybe there was some sort of punishment there. And I'm not saying, you know, overbearing punishment. Maybe right. uh, had to earn the trust back uh, of the staff a little bit to go out there and play some. Uh, didn't dress out versus Vanderbilt. So it makes you think something happened in between the Kentucky game and the week of practice uh, leading up to Vanderbilt. Something obviously happened if he wasn't dressed out uh, for the Vanderbilt game. So I, I really don't know. Uh, your guess on my part. Okay. Okay, then. Well, I appreciate it, Dave. That's all I had for you. Go Gators, man. All right, well, go Gators, man. Yes, sir. G or Guy in here and Roberto. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Good, how about you? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. So, pretty cool, pretty good weekend this weekend in football. Alabama looking a little bit human. Losing versus Texas A&M. I thought it was a great game. Unfortunately, it was Texas A&M beating them, <laughs> which uh, doesn't look too good for us, especially in recruiting. And that uh, it was a nice ambience over there. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure it was as loud as the as the swamp, but uh, it looked pretty electric over there. So, and they had a lot of uh, big time recruits too, which uh, doesn't fit us too good for us. But uh, great game. Um, FSU beating USC, UNC, which I did not see that one coming, but looks good for us too because the better the lose towards the end of the season, the better a win is gonna look. I'm happy to be back in the W column, but I'm still have a little sour taste in my mouth for the game because I thought that we still have we ever been able to play a full three or four quarters because that game feels like it was a tale of two quarters, the first quarter of the the first quarter and the third one because at the end of the first half, it feels like, you know, we could have been 21-13 and Vanderbilt looked pretty competitive versus us. Yeah, um, I started this by saying, you know, Florida needs to go better and play some complete games, a lot of it due to focus. And I know uh, Will Miles, my co-host on Gators Breakdown on, on Mondays, you know, that's pretty much was the, the crux of his article as well. 
no saying you know this Florida team they put together some some really good quarters some really good quarters of football not four quarters of football just some good quarters of football in games and that is the next step you want to see from this team if they're going to continue to get better continue to take steps continue to come together as a team that is honestly the next natural step of progression for this team now I don't know if they can ever get there that may just be this may just be an inconsistent team for the rest of the season and I still think that's good enough to get you nine and three you're not going to be inconsistent beat Georgia and that's just it if you if you're ever going to put together a four-quarter game that's going to have to come in a few weeks in the game in Jacksonville uh, but for right now it's going to be good enough to get you to nine and three you still just want to see it it doesn't matter if it's good enough to get you to nine and three as I've said the whole time you want to feel really good about 2022 uh, going in, go, going into by the end of the season, you want to feel good about going into twenty twenty two. And if we still get these inconsistent, lucky performances, there'll be some good you can point to. But you'll still have in the back of your head, you know, where where is this team headed? If they look like that, even at nine and three. Uh, so don't get me wrong. I mean, inconsistent performances might can lose you another game as well. Uh, I think we have found out, you know, Kentucky is a pretty good team. Uh, still a team you should have won. Uh, st- still a team you should have beat. Still a game you should have won. Uh, but you saw you saw what an inconsistent performance can bring you. And I'm not sure Missouri, South Carolina, uh, Florida State. I'm not sure an inconsistent performance is enough for them to come out with a victory over Florida. But you don't want to find out. Uh, so that is the next step for this team. You just want to see them come together, get better, because the the inconsistent, especially. When you play teams like South Carolina, Missouri, that's just kind of been an M.O. of a Dan Mullen team. Uh, and that's kind of been the theme of this whole season, no matter who you're playing. But just to kind of get over that, get some better feeling around the trajectory of this program, doesn't matter who Florida's playing. You want to see that consistency. You want to go out there and see a four-quarter game. Hey, Dave. Good morning. Good morning. What's up, man? Hey, hey, the state fair is up here in Perry, man. So you need to bring the fam so you can come <laughs> to the fair. Hey, um, I just wanted to hop in right quick. I got to go into surgery in a few minutes, go help on this brain uh, mask we got to do. But uh, I just want to make like two or three comments right quick. I didn't watch the game Saturday because I was expecting for Florida t- to do what they supposed to do. So I didn't even bother with watching it. Uh, to hit on dude who uh, spoke right before uh, I can't remember what, who it was, but he was talking about, you know, the shot with Alabama losing folks need to realize Alabama's on the West side. Them losing had nothing to do with us. It can't help us. Not one bit. We need Georgia to lose. We need Kentucky to lose. So that's the only way, like you, you know, kind of highlighted with the other caller to let them know that, Hey, a lot of dominoes got to fall in order for us to even be somewhat relevant. Um, the statement that you just made about the inconsistency, I've been watching this team since 89. 89. They have always been a second-half freaking team. They start off slow, catch on after halftime. You're right. We all need to see them do what they did in 08, stay consistent for four quarters. Come out firing. Key, the killer instinct. A friend, couple of friends of mine and I, we was talking this past weekend. Like I said, I didn't watch the game. 
And that's what we all said. Where's the killer instinct for this team? We have, we should always be all gas, no brakes. It's like we sputter when we get crunked on, we sputter and then eventually the carburetor kick in and then we start playing like we're supposed to. If we could ever put it together for four quarters consistently, like you said, consistently, we can be a team to be reckoned with. But until then, I mean, it is what it is. I'm not trying to downplay the Gators. I'm a huge fan, all the way down to the wedding band with the symbol on it. I just want better for the team. I want them to play up to the standard that all of us know that they can do and stop lollygagging and acting like pussyfoots. I'm just being honest. It's just me. But, hey, man, like I said, come on up. The fair will be here for a whole nother week. Come get you some good corn dogs and all that other good shit. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, and I guess the big thing also is um, – can this team be capable of that consistent performance? And I'm not sure I can. we can answer that right now. I mean, maybe they can't. Maybe that's what this team is. Uh, and that still, like I said, will be good enough to go 9-3. and three. Uh, You know, but an inconsistent performance in Jacksonville won't win you the game. Yeah, and I do think – I think that's, that's part of why the Vanderbilt game was a little uh, more aggravating than it should have been because right away you did see it. Florida gets up 14 nothing. You force three and outs on defense to, I think, two out of the first three drives. Okay, you, you saw what you needed to see, but that level of play didn't stay there. So you'd like to say, okay, well, it's just a, it's a lack of focus. Okay, that might be true, and it probably is true, but why can't you keep up that level of focus uh, throughout a game? Uh, so don't get me wrong. I, I know it's tough, noon Vanderbilt, but, you know, that's <laughs> right now coming off that Kentucky game. It shouldn't matter who you were playing. You wanted to see uh, a team come out there and be focused, fiery for at least, you know, for the first three quarters until the game gets out of hand. And if you lose focus, okay, I can understand that. <laughs> but uh, what to me, uh, you saw it initially. You almost the very beginning of the game, you saw what you pretty much wanted to see from both sides of the ball. Just didn't keep it up. All right. Got a couple more in here. And Eddie points out, yeah, Tennessee, of course, there yeah, still has Alabama and Ole Miss there. So there's uh, a possible three conference losses there for Tennessee to knock them out of it. Hey, Dave. Hey, man. Uh, I got another question. So the film that I have going into the LSU game is the same one that I had going into the Kentucky game. Since this game, it's a win, well, there's no way around getting a win. We got to get a win for that game because because a lot for the program, the way that LSU is playing right now. Because Kentucky soundly beat them. I was watching the game and Kentucky was compared to us, what we should have beat Kentucky. Kentucky pretty much, you know, was a better team than LSU. Yes, um, yesterday on um, Saturday. So my feeling is that we have to go into that game. Not only do we have to win, but I think we still have to play really good. Because we have to show that the program is taking that next step this year. Or if not, then that's going to be a step back. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually spoke on that earlier. I think this is a, a game demo it has to win. And for most of the fan base, uh, a win where he has to look pretty good in. Uh, just getting by 
versus LSU won't be good enough for, for a lot of the fan base. And just because you know, it's not your typical LSU atmosphere, not your typical LSU team, uh, you just saw – look, if you if you want to use transitive property, you can. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily do it too much, but, you know, you, you had a knockdown drag-out game with Kentucky, and Kentucky just beat the brakes off of LSU. So you're going to – a lot of people are going to be like, well, Kentucky can do it, Florida should be able to do it. Now, granted, like I said, a little bit little, – little bit of a different circumstance. You are on the road at LSU. Uh, and we got to see where this team is at in that regard. You know, your first big raucous environment versus Kentucky a couple weeks ago, you weren't prepared. You weren't ready for it. And now you've got to see this Gator team come out prepared, come out ready for a road environment and play good in that type of, in type of environment. If LSU fans decide they want to get into it, even at a noon game, that atmosphere can be very similar to a Kentucky with 60, 65,000 compared to the, I think, 90, 95,000 at LSU. So if Kentucky fans or LSU fans decide they want to get into it, they can make it difficult for this Florida offense. So, I mean, that's will be one side of progression uh, is how this offensive line and quarterback communicate with their cadence, their clap. You know, you have to be prepared for that type of environment, but also just overall as a team. You should go out there and you should put it on LSU. This is the game you should control. And this is the game that can go – you're kind of going to your point there. If uh, Dan Butler wants to build up some – build back up some goodwill in the fan base, a, a good-looking performance is needed versus LSU. In talking about those good, uh, that good-looking performance, what about the – I was expecting this year to have a little bit more of the tight end play because I thought Gamble and Kipper will be more involved in the game and more split backs. Um, so we haven't seen that much of that so far this season. No, we haven't. Um, we did it with the number of backs Florida had. They expected to see some two-back sets um, and tight ends ever since the Bama Bama game, you know, have not, it was, uh, not necessarily been huge contributors in the passing game. So uh, maybe that's something that's unleashed uh, this week versus LSU or, or Georgia coming up in a couple of weeks. But I did think you know, to make the job easier for the quarterback, uh, I, I did think you'd see the tight end involved a little bit more. So um, maybe maybe we see that coming up as the uh, competition ramps up with LSU and Georgia. Uh, one last question, oh, which is a little bit outside yeah. of the box. Um, so we were in recruiting for Matt Corral. I don't you know if you remember that. And Marlon yep. decided to pretty much let him go for Emory. So, would we say that he dropped the ball by doing so, seeing how he's been playing the past couple of seasons? And that was it. Thank you very much, and go Gators. Um, that's, I don't know. That, that's, that, that's tough to say. I mean, yeah, hindsight says, okay, yeah, uh, Matt Corral would have been the the better decision. You definitely know after seeing what Mullen has done with quarterbacks, he could be doing similar things. Uh, with Matt Corral uh, as well, what kind of what we saw similar with with Kyle Trask in some ways last year. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't blame Mullen for taking Henry Jones over uh, over Matt Corral. I just uh, hindsight says, yeah, it's pretty uh, maybe a bad decision there. Uh, but at the time, I don't think anybody. And now, look, that's his job uh, to identify and get the right quarterback and play the right quarterback. Of course, that is that is his job. Uh, but I do think that scenario is probably a little easier to sit here and say, yeah, okay, you should have you should have stuck with him uh, more so than 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 Emory Jones. Now, I'm not even sure. Honestly, would it really have played out the same way though? I mean, say everything is the same. 
when, okay, a lot of the experience Matt Corral got at Ole Miss the last couple of years, he wouldn't have got at Florida. He'd be starting just in the same similar role as Emory Jones with this would be his first year starting. This would be the year he'd be making the mistakes and growing because he's not playing over Felipe Franks in 2018. He's not playing over Kyle Trask in 2019. So the scenario played out the exact same way, and this is his first six games starting, it may look very similar to what we're seeing from Emory Jones right now. So I think things would have had to play out completely different. He would have had to get some more experience in 18 and 19 uh, and 20 leading up to this point. But if he is just now getting his first starts, just like Emory Jones is right now, I'm not so sure the results look all that different because you go into his first season, and I know it's a different coaching staff. Matt Luke was there at the time with Ole Miss, but you know, you, you had no inclination Matt Corral was going to look like this in 2020 and 2021. So you see where – now, look, he was learning as a younger player. Emory Jones was learning on the job as a, as a fourth-year player, and some people probably expect him to be a little further along. But I still think it would be hard to say, all right, well – Matt Corral, we see right now, if he had sat behind Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask the last couple of years, like Henry Jones, that it would be the same Matt Corral we would see in 2021. So I, I can't make that leap if everything had played out the same way for Henry Jones and Matt Corral right now. All right, who else is in here? Let's get you in here, and then I will call it. Hey, Dave, how's it going? Hey, man. Good, how are you, man? Hey, doing all right. Fatty here. Um, first off, I spoke to you earlier this season. Um, mm-hmm. a message on Twitter about how yeah. uh, Garrett McGee was the uh, quarterback coach for um, Lamar Jackson when he won the Heisman Trophy at Louisville that year and how he's the quarterback coach for us now since we lost Brian Johnson last year. Um, familiar with that, right? Yep. All right. Um, and I was making the point of Emory Jones going to uh, have a Heisman year. Obviously, it's too late for that. Um. Dave, I don't know why everyone feel like Emory Jones leave next year. I really have a feeling like everyone need to get comfortable and ready for Emory Jones just to be here for another year. And I think that um, AR-15 accepted that role before he came to sit back and learn um, behind Emory Jones. We got to remember um, Dan Mullen is a very secretive person, and he's a very uh, unique coach. Um Second to Steve Spurrier, I say, um, Urban Mike was pretty much you see what you get, what you get is what you see. Um, Dan Mullen more secretive. Um, he have more reasons of why he do things. I think Kentucky he went in there with a thirty percent of a playbook and just said, mm-hmm. "Yo, we're gonna run it down their throat so we don't expose no more things since we exposed a lot early to Alabama." Um, and we lost during that. Uh, I think he thought we were just going go in there and steamroll over. Over them, um, he knows it's going to be a close game, I believe, but not that close. And I think he just thought that, you know, the better team will win that game. Um, first of all, what is your thoughts on that? So I don't just keep going on in the road on sentence. <laughs> yeah, the whole Garrett McGee thing. Um, for that, I, I, I do think, and maybe not so much as a shot at him, I just I, – I do know Emory and Brian Johnson were really close. Um, they – uh, Emory was, I mean, really close to Brian Johnson. Love what he brought to the table uh, yes, he was. as a quarterback coach. The relationship there was really good, really close uh, between those two. And I think they take a hit a little bit when he left and, and Garrett McGee comes in. Uh, maybe not the same type of relationship, the closeness, the bond uh, that Emory and Brian Johnson had. So maybe that can get built up, uh, you know, because – 
You know, he, he had been mm-hmm. around Brian Johnson his whole career for three seasons, right. 18, 19, and 20. Uh, and maybe it does take a little bit of time to, to build that same type of rapport between quarterback, coach, and and, and quarterback. So right. that, right. that probably, hopefully, comes around with the more that they're around each other. Um, going into, you know, what the future holds for, for Emory and AR, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, that. As it looks right now, I know a lot of people can't. You probably can say, "All right, well, you know, there was a there was some talk out there, and I still thought this was kind of ridiculous." But and this not necessarily taking a shot at Emory Jones, but you had Pro Football Focus and a whole lot of other publications out yep. there saying Emory Jones was a first round quarterback without even seeing him play starter snaps. And okay, right. good, you know, good, good that there's some recognition out there, but I don't. I'm not so sure Gator fans were ready to no, I'm not even sure even Gator fans were ready to take that lead, take that jump and say and right. Jones is a, is a first round quarterback. Um, right. so and that would have meant one and done for Emory Jones. And Boom. don't get me wrong, if it had played out that way, that means Florida's looking better right now. If Emory Jones is playing right. like a first round quarterback. Right. Uh yeah, yeah, you you you'll take that because that means Florida's playing really, really good football. Uh him yep. and and around him. Uh, but, you know, that's not what we're getting right now. I mean, there are some progressions mm-hmm. uh, that we're seeing week in and week out from Emory Jones. We've got to continue to see that. You know, he doesn't need to be anywhere near his ceiling right now uh, for Florida, for Florida to, to do bigger and better things. He needs to keep uh, pro- pro- progressing. And, you know, right yeah. now that kind of leads to, okay, well, he's probably not going anywhere uh, after this year. So what does that mean for the quarterback position next year? I, I don't know. Um, that would probably go into with Dan Mullen's history, probably lend you to believe Emory Jones will start next year as well. Um, going just uh, Dan Mullen's history and what we have seen from the quarterback position of him. So that's probably where that lends itself right now. Uh, but we'll see how the, the, the rest of the season plays out, what progressions AR can make as well. And um, but yeah, that's going to be uh, it's going to be it's going to be a topic from here on out, and seeing how Emory Jones his steps and progression, and you know, sit down with Dan Mullen and both quarterbacks, you know, kind of figuring out the path to the, the their path for, for the rest of their career. Yes, sir. I got one more thing, Dave. I know you say you finna go. Thank you for accepting me to um, talk from here, man. I'm a really huge fan. Yo, I watch every breakdown with you and Will. Yo, I, I literally go and watch the other guy on Facebook, on YouTube, um, the breakdown of the defense and the offense. Um, I forgot his name, but he's a cool guy. If anybody yeah. haven't watched him yet. Um, last thing, man. Um, because it's been a, it's been a long morning for you. Uh, Emory Jones signed in a passing offense, a very pass-heavy offense for three years. A lot more pass-heavy when Kyle Trask was throwing, of course. Um, But I'm not sure why, including Pierce, at like Emory Jones don't know how to throw when we just been hiding the fact that he know how to throw. Um, I understand he came in against FAU and USF and made some, you know, airhead throws, but no part think that Mullen was trying to see where he was at in a live game, in a live situation. You get what I'm saying? That's why he wasn't so shook about the interceptions he thrown. Because if you take the Alabama game and you compare that Alabama game to week one and week two, there is no way in hell, sorry for my language, but there's no way that you think Emory Jones is going to come and give us the game that he gave us against Alabama. You get what I'm saying? I think of um, uh, – yeah. Wells don't Wells don't uh don't keep running and he actually stopped in the zone 
and sit within that zone, we don't throw an interception. I, um, I think of Copeland. Um, Copeland actually catches that pass interference. Then we're in a whole different situation. Other than moving 15 yards up, we're up the field. You know, um, so I think that changes the narrative of the game a lot. We can all blame it on the kicker, but we can blame it on missed tackles also. The beginning of that game, yo, Griffin dialed up a defense that was going to stop Alabama in the backfield as soon as they catch the ball. We get to those guys and cannot tackle. Um, so I guess I said one more thing, but I guess that's two. Um, defense, not as bad as everybody's saying as far as Grantham goes, mm-hmm. but as far as the players go, we need to we need to actually play better to help that man as far as his job and his legacy and his integrity because he came back this year and dialed up defensive um, plays for Kentucky. I mean, not like Kentucky is a powerhouse, but I mean, not they're not a powerhouse at all, but. Levis threw 87 yards against us. He looked horrible. And then the very next week, he go on and he steamrolled over a horrible LSU. I get it. But you still got uh, a few DBs on that LSU team that people rave about right now. So it's like he he really went and trashed him. He made him look a lot more horrible this year. Um, so that's my thing, man. Emory Jones, I believe him. I believe Dan Muller's going to open it up and let him sling it. Because we have we, it's not like we don't have threats. We got Henderson out there. We got Copeland out there. We got Wells, who I seen coming along last year, who bloomed this year. Um, so far, we working we working Frazier in there in the midst right now. We letting Bowman get a few more touches, which I don't believe he's gonna be a dynamic impact until next year. Um, sometime. Same with Lingard. Hopefully, he do not transfer because obviously the future the future is, um, Bowman. Uh, but Naquan Wright also, man. I mean. Lord have mercy. I think the future for us looks very bright. I don't think Emory Jones is going nowhere. And I'm done, Dave, because I keep talking. <laughs> All, right. All right, thank you, man. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. Good points in there. there. Uh, yeah, I, I do think the playbook somewhat limited uh, there for early in the season. Mullins even admitted he put Emory Jones in some situations, want to see how he react. Playbook expanded. Emory Jones' legs gets more involved. You see how much that meant to the offense versus Alabama, Tennessee. Uh, got better there. So, you know, just got to keep growing. You know, you've seen teams adjust, especially Kentucky, all eyes in the backfield, making sure Emory Jones doesn't get those easy run yards from the quarterback position. So, you got to find some ways to, you know, combat that and, and adjust in game when, when teams start playing uh, your quarterback that way. And, and on defense there, I, I agree with Fetty. Look, we expected because they were so bad last year, a natural bounce back in some forms is expected. And you are seeing it. I do think uh, the scheme is much better this year. You're still not seeing those big, gigantic miscommunication passes over the safeties. Safeties aren't giving up those big passes. Now, they're still having some trouble breaking down plays in front of them and getting the right angles and making tackles. Uh, but, you know, that's a lot on them. Now, I, after the after the issue of missing tackles over and over and over again, dating back to last year as well, yeah, you can say that's a little bit on the staff, too. You know, what do you do to work on tackling? Uh, what do you do to get guys in better position so they're not arm tackling, so they're not lunging at players? You know, that's a that's a bit of both there, I think, when it's a consistent issue uh, of, of tackling. So I think you know, you've got to figure out how to help your players get in better position sometimes. But I do think we're seeing a whole lot of improvement from the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and, you know, just some – just some better starts, of course. We've got to keep con- continuing to see some better starts like we did against Vanderbilt this past week. Don't get me wrong, competition plays into that a little bit. Uh, but you want to see some better starts from this defense and better tackling uh, earlier in the games because that's when it's been mostly an issue. The tackling has been mostly an issue earlier in the games. Alabama, 
you end up getting better at tackling as well. Um, after the 21-3 onslaught, and it, started, it got better as the Vanderbilt game went on as well. Uh, so it's just the – what happens in the first half of games with tackling? I, I don't. I don't know. There's some adjustments made, and it gets better. Uh, I did see something I pointed out on Twitter last week, and holy moly, we actually saw it in the second half. There were three linebackers on the field at the same time. You had Jeremiah Moon, you had Mamou Diabate, you had Tyron Hopper on the field at the same time. And it was and it was it was great to see. I want to go back and I want to diagnose those plays a whole lot more. Uh, just because you know, it was something I wanted to see and to see how much of a difference it actually made out there for the Gators. All right, let me get a couple more in here, and then I will call it. Tyler and Unique have been hanging on for a bit, so I'll get these two in here and then call it a day. If you guys are still available. Uh, hey, uh, Dave. Hey, um, hey, Just to kind of follow up on what you were just talking about, um, I mean, why can't we tackle? Is it is it because we're recruiting these kind of hybrid linebackers to play that star position? Is it – I mean, I don't obviously get to watch the practices, but, I mean, I watched Georgia versus Auburn, and, I mean, Auburn got stomped. But their defense comes up and hits you, and you watch yeah. these other teams, and it just seems like everybody – I mean, we just don't wrap up. as, And it's not Grantham's job to teach these guys how to tackle. They've been playing football their whole life. Um, so, I mean – I just don't get the tackling. Um, we're just very, very bad at it, and we have been bad at it, and we're not – it just doesn't seem like we're getting it fixed. And, you know, I don't know that, how yeah, that, uh, that's the, where it the team me, coach or the coaches fix that, but, I mean, it's just got to get better. Yeah, that, that's where it goes for me because, like you said, it, 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 it's a continued issue, so it has to be something they're doing in practice. Um, and, look, that, like I said, it, that, it is still on the players somewhat as well, but it's on the coaching staff as well to at least diagnose and identify why it is a problem and how to fix it. I mean, because it can't be issues from – I mean, this is this has been an issue pretty much since Grantham has come in uh, as defensive coordinator. So there has to be something there on the coaching side as well. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I do agree with you. I do think of um, tackling when it's not going well. I still point to the player first. But it is up to the coaches to identify and diagnose why it is a continued problem and help try to fix it. Uh, but like I said, you do see it get better. It, it's, it, it mostly is the beginning of games where it is an issue. So what happens? Why is there such a difference in the first quarter, quarter and a half, and then the team settles down? I, that I don't know. That that's why it's so mystifying. Of why all of a sudden it also fixes itself uh, through, through now. You know, Kentucky. Uh, a couple weeks ago, they had their, you know, th that that big run late, but that was mostly because of uh, where, where guys, you know, pretty much diving at Chris Rodriguez. Yeah, but, you know, some of it, I think, is guys are a little out of position, um, as, you know, especially for the safeties, and they're out of position. They're trying to make an arm tackle because they're out of position. They're lunging uh, there. So maybe also it's just really breaking down the play better in front of them and, and, and you know, basically squaring up to making a tackle and not having to lunge to, to make a tackle. I think that's some of it as well. So that's where I think the coaching side maybe comes in a little bit as well is what can you do better to break down the play to attempt a better tackle, not necessarily lunge, diving at feet, arm tackling. That, that That's part of it and how I see it as well. So I still think it's uh, the reason you see it so bad in a continued issue is I think it takes both player and coach uh, to, 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 um, to see that and ultimately it really kind of really is on the coaching staff to diagnose 
the problem and, and, and try and fix it. Yeah. And I, I got, thank you, Dave. I got one more just comment before I get out of here. Um, I will say, I'm glad we got to see, you know, the animated Dan Mullen back, the pissed off Dan Mullen back. Uh, but what I will say is it's, it kind of stinks that, you know, your goals are all but gone and that's what it took to bring that back. Um, you know, so I, w- I guess I would just say I would like to see more consistency out of Mullen too. Um, you know, when it comes to getting the team, whatever he said at halftime clearly worked. Um, and it's just, it's, it's frustrating that we don't approach every game every week with that kind of mindset coming from Mullen and that's top down, I guess. And it trickles down to the team as well. Yep. Agree. Yeah. We, we need to see that from, from top down. So, all right. You need, let me get you in here, man. What's up, Dave? Uh, I, hey, I solely, I solely blame you for that one. <laughs> um, the way, the, the way Muller acted Saturday, I said, man, that's that Dave question that did that, right? <laughs> hey, say that had to be the thumb. Got, that's the, that's, what you saying? Be the bad guy. If I had to be the bad guy, I, I guess I'll take that. Yeah, I said it had to be the thumb wrestling question that got him out there like that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I've been trying to put a little philosophy together with Dan Mullen, and I'm thinking I'm trying, I'm I'm starting to understand. One focus he does have is trying to make sure he, the promise he tells them in recruiting, he's going to get them to the NFL. I think that's kind of what he's pushing, and it just seems like he wants like all his quarterbacks to get there, which two of them are already there from Florida. All the wide receivers have basically got in, and it's like. The Emory thing, I kind of see that too now. And then there's one thing I'm starting to focus on is that, especially in this Vandy game, I seen Rick Wells just get pissed off. It's not that he didn't get in the um, end zone. It's just he knew that it was going to Pierce. And it's like, can we can we um, congratulate or not, not congratulate, but, I mean, you know, the players that march all the way down the field, and you heard the guys on the TV say it. It's like, oh, they get them all the way down, and then we just hand it off to Pierce, and then he gets in. It's like, is that a matter of him trying to get Pierce some stats for his NFL? It's just like, because he was doing that the whole way, and I've seen it a lot. And I've seen Rick Wells get pissed off, because he. it's not that he didn't get in. It just felt like he's like, oh, I'm not going to get the touchdown. Yeah, um, I think with the whole Naquan thing, you probably, you know, yeah, because that play went under review, right, to make sure if he had scored or not. And I could see maybe the coaching side of it as, you know, after a long play like that, um, like you might be worn out, you might be tired, we don't want to force it, you know, for the one-yard carry. But you had a review. He was probably well-rested after the review to take that carry for the next touchdown. Um, And he took it away from him. That that hurt me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I don't know how the players take it. You hope it's not – I don't think it's that big of an issue between your players. I mean, they put the best on the outside, but you want your touchdown, man. Yeah, 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 you do. That's – that's definitely something because I remember going back and watching highlights of the game and it's just like, oh yeah, right, didn't score on that play. It was a right. It ended up being a Pierce touchdown. So uh, it was a Pierce. Now, I, yeah, I, I, I don't <laughs> think it's a let's get Pierce stats kind of thing. I do think um, maybe it was decided since Wright had such a long play. It was all right. Let's you know you you might be worn out. We don't want to fumble on the goal line because you're tired. Anything, I mean, I, I don't know. This is just me maybe guess yeah. how Dan Mullen sees it. Uh, and, and the pure coaching aspect of that decision uh, is 
all right, long run, you're worn out. Let's put the bowling ball in there and make sure we get the touchdown. Okay. Well, I say even announcers had to say it. They're like, yeah. just Pierce is just taking off. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, can we get somebody else to touch now, please? <laughs> I hear you. Yep, yep. All right, you good? Is that it, Unique? Yep, okay. I think so. All right, guys, that will do it here for this Twitter Spaces. A little over an hour there, getting your thoughts and insights and questions and reactions, all that good stuff here on the Gators Breakdown Twitter Spaces. Thank you guys so much for coming in, listening, taking part, and we will do it again on Friday of this week. Be sure to catch catch up with Gators Breakdown. Vanderbilt Review up. Will and I here on Monday night will have an LSU preview later this week as well. So, everybody, thank you so much for joining in on this Twitter Spaces. We'll see you on the next one.